Well, go ahead. You're the one that's talking. Hello. This is Gloria Griggs speaking, and this will be the history of Gordon and Gloria Grigg. And uh, we'll start with Gordon. He was born June the 3rd, 1932, and his parents are Wells and Nina Grigg. And uh, he has th uh, three brothers and one sister. His brothers are Leland, which is a year older or two years older than him. And he's the second child, and then Joanne, his sister, and then Joe and Paul, and that's their family. And they are a wonderful, wonderful family. Now, I'm going to hand this to Gordon, and he'll tell you a little bit about his childhood. Then we'll go from there. This is uh, Gordon Thomas Grigg. In my young days, I was known as Tommy. And... Uh, Tommy was not one of those boys that was just heard and not seen. He was both seen and heard. That's me I'm talking about, and we had to, I had to teach my parents how to get along with me. And they did a pretty good job on me, I would think, because I can't improve too much. But anyhow, as a young boy, I would like to tell you about my dad and my mom. Uh, Wells Grigg, everybody called him Wells. I don't know, somehow my mom got a name in there, called him Bill, or William. I don't know where that came from, but uh, there are a few around that might still call him William. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they had some differences, and it wasn't that fun to listen to their differences verbally because there was a little yelling involved. But anyway, I loved my mom and my dad and I was trying to be everything they wanted me to be. But just always know this, that my dad and my mom were to, to their children, I think they were just as good a parents as you could find. And I loved them. And they loved me and took care of me, and uh, that's all I could ask at that time. But I had a wonderful, wonderful childhood. We lived in, uh, it was a smaller town compared to nowadays, but it was Emmett, Emmett, Idaho. And uh, I, I very slightly remember my, my days in uh, Emmett, where Dad and, and his family lived. And it was uh, a, a place 
close to everything but far away from everything. So there was always hitchhiking to do and and uh, if we ever wanted to go anywhere, we had to go out on the road and stick our thumbs out. The first thing I remember as a child was my dad was a gardener and he grew every year he planted a big nice garden on our place and that garden fed us uh, a lot of food all through the summer months and then probably into the winter months but uh, that garden had to be taken care of and it seems like my dad did most of the taken care of. Where I came in was he grew such a good garden and such a good vegetable of any kind, you name it, and he would grow it. But we lived in Emmett. And Emmett, as I recall, we lived on Commercial Street. I guess the next thing that that was of any significance in my life as a child growing up was the fact that these vegetables, cucumbers, watermelon, cantaloupe, tomatoes, all kinds of good, fresh vegetables. And my dad had me sell them. He had a surplus of vegetables every year. And every year, after a few years, the residents of Emmett began to rely upon us to pull our little red wagon down the streets and up and into the different parts of our neighborhood. But they got used to us being there and counted on us being there because my dad grew the best vegetables and they were the freshest that they could get anywhere. So my job was to pull the little red wagon full of vegetables up and down the streets and sell them. And we made lots of money doing that. How old were you? I don't know how old I was exactly, but uh, it was preschool. It was before I ever actually went to school. So we'll call it preschool. But uh, we became pretty well known and depended upon in the summer months because of my dad's wonderful vegetable gardens. And we would actually make good money selling this, this stuff. I enjoyed it. I loved pulling my wagon, little red wagon, up and down the streets, just jam-packed full of vegetables. We'll skip to another subject. I had a buddy I grew up with. His name was Gerald Nasker, N-A-S-K-E-R.
and we became good buddies. And he was bigger than me by a long shot. You were called Tom and Jerry. And people would call us, even back then, that name stuck. But they called us Tom and Jerry. And that's stuck around the neighborhood as well as anything did because where's Tom and Jerry? Where's those vegetables? And pretty soon, ah, oh, here comes our vegetables. We were pretty faithful in getting those around and and selling them. And I, I can't to this day, I've tried to remember what we did with that money. But I know I got my share of it and my parents got a, a lot of money out of it too. Tell about Under the Bridge with Jerry. Tell about playing Under the Bridge. Yeah, there's a there's a bridge there in Emmett. Uh, goes across the river. The river's pretty wide, and they had to build a bridge so that the traffic could come and go easily and readily. We played underneath that bridge by the hours. All of this that that I'm talking about now was in my preschool days. We weren't old enough to go to school, but we were sure old enough to go up and down the streets and <coughs> looking in the trash piles and finding anything that we could that would sell. And I guess maybe that's where I got my my ambition to sell is because I started very young. And you stacked wood. One of the things that we made good <coughs> good money on, uh, if you could realize with me, a neighborhood, a residential area, quite a populated one, if you could realize that and how many people would be there or live in those houses in 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 the Emmett in town of Emmett. I just called them the town of Emmett. But if you could realize how many people lived there and what a big job we had pulling that wagon full of vegetables. And stacking wood. And they they used slab wood. They had a sawmill there in Emmett and they used the slab wood, they bought slab wood and had it brought into their homes by the truckload. Uh, what they would do would be to bring the load of slab wood, which today would be maybe two or three pickups full, as much as they could haul. They'd bring the wood in and dump it outside of the homes in a large dump truck. And that was a pretty good-sized stack of wood when you got done stacking it. But I made good money all, all my life to begin with, stacking slab wood. All you'd have to do would be to watch where the wood went and go knock on their door and ask them if they would like to have it stacked, piled and stacked neatly. 
And of course they did. That was a big, big job for these people, parents, you might say. But I, I made at a real early age kind of good money. And I would always take that money and we'd go first thing and we'd take it to our favorite store and I would chow down, or not chow down, but load up on candy and cookies and all the good stuff that we could think of to eat. So that's one of the nice things I would say I did when I was a young boy is we did two things. We got me some money and we stacked their wood and they didn't have to handle it. Uh, these people, they just relied on us because they didn't want to do it themselves. Can you imagine two young boys, not even in school yet, out selling slab wood? Stacking it. Stacking it and selling it. I guess we didn't really sell it. It was already sold, but stacking it. What a job that was. But we always did it, and we always got through the the stack and was ready for another one. So that was a good memory of how to work and how to be dependable and all the good things that go with a job. You had to know and do those things. If you didn't, they wouldn't hire you. And if they didn't hire you, somebody else got your job and, and your money. Anyhow, uh, Jerry and I became buddies way back before school ever started. We, we just knew automatically that w the year and the day would come to where Jerry and I had to go to school. Because up until th the time we went to school, started school, we were just footloose and fancy free, and we roamed the neighborhoods and looked in their dump piles and, and uh, got any job that was available that these young kids could do. So I had plenty of work to do never did have uh, something not to do. I always was busy. Now I'm going to tell a little thing here about me. Uh, I always knew that school was coming too. And I, I dreaded the thought of even going to school because number one, I had a terrible out, and it seems funny now, but uh, I couldn't swallow my saliva. I couldn't swallow my spit. I had to be out there in the open where I could let her go. Well, going to school kind of put a crimp on all that stuff. Because here I went to school this first day, and I was used to spitting. Oh, man, could I spit. And now that was coming to an end. 
And so when I went to school for the first time, all I could think of was to spit on the floor. And I took my feet and kind of rubbed out, rubbed it out. But that was not a good habit to, to have. But eventually I got over that spitting habit. It was right in this period of time, preschool, that we moved to Vail, Oregon. Oregon, and we moved to to Vail. Dad, Dad was uh, he, he didn't have a car, and every time he went anywhere, he'd hitchhike. He'd get out on the road and stick his thumb out and go wherever he wanted to. And one day he was gone for two or three days, or one time. He actually just left. But where he was, was he had gone to uh, fail. The good thing about it was that uh, he, he, where he went was Vail, and he was looking for us a home. And... Uh, I don't know who it was now that had some land. Oh, your grandma and grandpa. I guess it was my grandma and grandpa that had some land in, uh, in Vail. Grandma and grandpa Grig. Grandma and grandpa Grig, they lived on a farm. And so dad disappeared this one day and what happened when he got back was he had gone to Vail and he made a deal with his parents on some land. And he was going to buy it and we were going to move to Vail. And that was all cut and dried and I just fell in and started my life the way that it needed to be at that time. And uh, it was a good life my life was. How old were you when you moved to Vail, do you know? Oh, I don't know, but I, yeah, I think maybe I had started school by this time. And I'll go to my diary and correct this if it's wrong, but uh, we did move to Vail. So what was your life on the farm, what you did? That was a pretty good, fun life because my dad bought 80 acres. He didn't know he didn't buy 80 acres. His parents owned some land and it was 80 acres worth. And dad bought half of that land. And so we had a pretty good piece of land to, to run around on. And the reason I say we had a good place to run around because uh, this land was in Vail, and it was just soon. It was soon to become my only home that I remember. Well, I I can't remember the exact age that we moved from Emmett to Vail, which Vail is where the farm was. And my dad, like I said, he disappeared one day, and 
And that's what he did. He went out on the road and thumbed his way to Emmett. And uh, he went to the farm. My grandpa and grandma had a 80-acre farm. And when Dad came back, I guess what they had done was negotiated half of that farm, 40 acres. And my dad m made a deal with them and I guess purchased it. So when he came back, he had all these good news to tell us about uh, him buying the farm and that we would soon be moving from I guess town life, city life, to farm life. And I can say right now, I would rather not be a city man, but I enjoyed the farm life. Tell me about the fields, what you did in the fields. Tell me about the horses and the wagons and the slip. Oh, she wanted me to explain about all the wagons and horses that we had. We didn't have a lot of horses. We just had, a, uh, I think, four horses. And it took generally two horses to make a team. So everywhere we went, we would hook up uh, the slip or the wagon that we would ride in uh, to the horses and they would pull us wherever we wanted to go. It's as good as having a car actually nowadays. Talk about the hay bales. You loaded it with hay bales. But anyway, uh, my work on the farm included quite a bit. I, I, I learned a lot and it was a growing up period for me because I was taught all these things that, that all these experts knew as they grew up and they became my mentors and would tell me all the things and how to do them. There's a, just seems like no matter what you do in life, there's always a right way and a wrong way. And right off the bat, I had a couple of good teachers and, and they showed me the right way that I should conduct myself out on the farm. Now, on the farm, I call it a farm, but we had cows and we had horses and chickens and, chickens and rabbits. <laughs> I had to throw the rabbits in. Uh, my life on the farm, to me, was priceless because I learned all about 
farming and animals and how to handle them and how to do a day's work, in other words, out on the farm. And it would, most of our work that we did, I call it work, but a good part of it is uh, putting up the hay. Somebody would, my dad, I guess, he had a, uh, a hay mower, and it was a riding one. You'd get, you had a seat on it, and you'd hook hook the horses up to the mower, and they would pull you anywhere you wanted to go. And uh, it was a fun time because I liked to drive the horses. Yeah, we we were getting to the hay bales. Uh, when Dad, when my dad got done uh, buying the property from his dad, he ended up with forty acres. And on this 40 acres, it was mostly hay. And my dad would get up early in the morning, daylight, and go out and water the hay. We had ditches and canals, and we had all those kind of things that we could direct the water to. And we could, we could uh, water word I'm not coming up with but irrigate irrigate no hearing irrigate oh yeah yeah even my ears are getting bad but it was uh, called irrigating and my dad probably spent 80% of his time out in the fields Irrigating, and that is, we had the the water from the canal uh, come down into ditches, and a ditch is where we directed our water all over the farm. We could we could water the driest spot that there was by just directing the water a little bit. And we always carried a shovel, and we could make a dam here and direct it one way, or make a dam over there and direct it another way. But we had control of the water, and we could keep it, the land wet, and it had to be kept irrigated because it wouldn't take but a day or so for it to get really dry and harm the harm the hay. So it was a it was a priority number one job that we had, and that was irrigating, keeping the fields wet. Now tell them how you stacked the hay on the slip and then took it out and made. Now when it came to haying, it just just took me a short period of time before I was able to uh, sit on the mower, which was pulled by two horses, 
anywhere and do any kind of cutting and mowing that had to be done. But we had to mow the hay regularly, and then we had to rake it and put it in piles. But it ended up uh, where we had a derrick. A derrick is a is a machine. It's not a machine, but it's a Oh, you can, with the derrick, you can lift tons of hay. And that's how we stacked our hay, was we'd decide that over here on this corner, we would have a haystack. And then later on, over on this other corner, or in the middle of everything, we would have another haystack. But we had these haystacks convenient, so we wouldn't have to pull the hay very far. And we could just lift it out of the field and stack it in the haystacks. Were they bales of hay? They were, they had, yeah, they were bales. They had to be bales of hay. And even at my, I was a skinny runt but I could work and I could lift as good as anybody. But you ended up on these hay bales, loading wagons and unloading uh, wagons and moving the hay from here to there. Or we had to go out and get a load of hay and bring it into the farm so we would have it right there every morning to feed the cows. and. Every night, we fed the cows twice a day. Now, that was a priority. You don't feed them, you don't get any milk. And you would, you would hurt their bags. That's where the milk is stored on a cow. They have udders, called udders, and they're just a bag with four... I guess they're kits as far as I'm concerned. Is that a bad thing to say, honey? No. no. But we would sit down on a stool and we'd have a bucket between our knees or somewhere close to the bag, the cow's bag, so that we could milk into the into the bucket and then we'd bring it into the f closer to the, the house. Did you sell the milk? Well, yeah, we, 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 everybody sold milk. And how that worked was you'd have, say, let's say we had 10 cans of milk. It's, each can will hold about oh eight or ten gallons of of milk. But uh, that's how we moved the milk. Yeah, we we would just milk and strain the milk in after we got done bringing it from the cow. We would dump it into a can, a big ten gallon can. 
and and we'd either keep some of that or all of it, but that's how we moved our milk and bought milk and sold milk. We had a milk truck stop at our farm every morning, and his job was to load the cans of milk that we had sitting out for him. And that was to load them and get them out of there and take them to the market. Now, tell them about your shooting the rabbits. How you would go out in the fields and shoot the rabbits. Well, but the we are jumping around too much no. on that one. Anyhow, uh, it was a must, a priority number one that every morning and every night, evening time, those cows would have to be milked. And so we, we sold and had a milk truck stop every morning at our farm and pick up all the milk we had out there for him. And then he would drive down to the neighbors and pick up their milk but that's how the milk got from the farm to the selling place, was in 10-gallon cans. And they would be uh, good fresh milk, as fresh milk as you can get. But that was the job that, that you do when you're a farmer. Now tell them about the shooting, how you went out in the fields to shot the rats. Yeah, I guess there was some fun times too that was really enjoyable. And I always carried a gun wherever I went, out on the farm. It was just a twenty-two, Or sometimes. I decided to be lazy and I'd carry a shotgun. A shotgun, you can hit a rabbit running as fast as they can run. You can shoot them. And that was my most fun part, was after we would shoot them, they would just keep running. And then they died a, a few feet away, but they'd most of them took bullets. In other words, uh, it takes a lot to, lot to kill one of those little animals. Tell them why you shot the rabbits, to protect the fields. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the big things, big pet peeves that we as farmers had and that was to keep the rabbits thinned down and keep them from coming in and eating all the hay or all the food or whatever it was. It was just hay. But if there was a fence protecting the stack of hay, somehow those uh, what am I talking? 
rabbits? Somehow those rabbits would find a way and and start nibbling and destroying your hay. So you had to keep the rabbits down. And you became a good shot. Well, that's underestimating. Uh, underestimating that you didn't hear my prober, but she's reminding me of things that I should say. But I became a good shot, and I'll I'll dwell on that a minute because I could hit a rabbit uh, so many yards away. Oh, uh, just for talk, let's say a hundred yards away or fifty yards away, I could hit a sitting rabbit and sometimes uh, I got so good that I could hit a running rabbit. And uh, you take my food and my rabbits in to the farm, but we did a lot of hunting and a lot of shooting rabbits just for the heck of it because they had to be thinned. I remember one day there was three or four of us boys uh, all got together and decided we'd go kill rabbits. And we did this often. This is uh, not just a once a month or once a year thing, but every week or two we would get together and go rabbit hunting. And that's keeping the population down so that they don't eat all the hay and food. But that was a fun time. I enjoyed going rabbit hunting and I enjoyed my skills with a shotgun or a 22. And I became pretty good and pretty efficient.